Welcome to this bonus part segment of the Nothing But Nonsense podcast. We are hostless this week as we discuss the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus TV show that wrapped up a few weeks ago. And I, as Star Wars fans, the three of us, we wanted to stop and take a moment and review it and give it its due diligence as uh, I believe I think we all have quite a few thoughts on the uh, on the on the show. And I'd say run. so. Yes. Yeah. So I figured we go. We're going to stop this week, and we're just going to talk yeah. all about Obi Wan Kenobi. We'll be. Uh, don't worry. We'll be back to our regular scheduled program uh, next week. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, we're going to do a we're going to go full spoilers for the whole episode because it's been a few weeks since it's finished. So I feel like if you haven't seen it and you want to see it go see it then come back to us or if you just don't care and you just want something to listen to or just want to hear our thoughts on the show and you don't care about spoilers then that's cool too mm-hmm. so just your fair warning we're gonna go full spoilers from the get-go and that's your last warning so i think oh my gosh can out... you believe everyone died at the end including obi-wan <laughs> Do you believe Obi-Wan cut off Leia's head? That was crazy. Yeah. And R2-D2 showed up and murdered C-3PO. Oh, But I feel like we should start off with everyone's just... We can get into specifics, but I think we should give our general thoughts on the show. Like, Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Start, you, with, start, with, start with general and then proceed into the deeper, the deeper discussion. We'll start with General Grievous and then get uh, more specific. <laughs> we'll get specific and we'll get, Grievous. And we'll get more bold as we go along. There you go. Indeed. Only real fans will get that. <laughs> there you go. So what did um, you guys think of the show? I liked it. It was very well done, I thought. Um, you know, I don't have... You gave it out of 10. Out of 10? Um, I gave it a rock solid 9. I really, really liked it. There were maybe a couple things that I had... Not really issue with, but just things that I didn't enjoy as much or that I maybe wouldn't or that if I were writing a show may have done a little bit differently. But I mean, overall, I thought it was very well done. I thought the characters were well written and well developed over the course of the series. And uh, it was overall just a lot of fun. Yeah, I can agree with that. Very similar. Yeah. 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 My my rating for it is also a nine out of ten. Um like, and I had that ready going into this, uh, so I'm not copying, I promise. So uh, he says. But, again, very similar reasoning. I'm not with that huge group of the fan base that claims that it's the worst thing to ever come to Star Wars. I'm more so on the other side of the spectrum, where I believe, like, it was pretty well written. Yeah, there were a couple moments that I would like to be a little different. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm not writing the show, so I appreciate it for what it is, and I appreciate Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen. Absolutely. Uh, like I, I appreciate just the story in general too. I like what they did with Vader. I love what they did with Obi Wan. Uh, I'm not really on the negative side when it comes to Reva. I think she's an okay character, but mm-hmm. we'll get more into that later, I'm sure. But Overall, I very much enjoyed it, and I think it's that finale is probably 
up there with some of the best Star Wars content I've seen in a long time. So absolutely, amen, brother, amen. I would have to say, I I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a specific rating. I'm gonna give episodes four th- one through five. I'm gonna give a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. And episode six, I'm giving a perfect ten out of ten. I Everything would I would agree with I would agree episode with episode ten was a perfect was peak Star Wars was just amazing. Not just peak Star Wars. I think amazing cinema, amazing television, amazing everything. Everything about it was just perfect. But but as a, as a if not to get too uh much like too much too nitty gritty, but um I would give it a I give the whole series a nine out of ten. There are a few things that held me back from giving it a perfect ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Like I I you guys talked about having your reps. So I say Kenobi from us gets a twenty seven out of thirty. If my math is correct, averaging to nine out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that, that I think if we want to brief something real quick, want to talk about the the negative uh, reciprocation of the show that blindsided me. I'm surprised like too. A like a baseball bat in the pitch of in the pitch black night, like it, that was just so surprising to me. Mm-hmm. How many people were so negative? Just it didn't surprise me as much as it should have, uh, because Star Wars fans and Marvel fans very much now love to criticize everything that comes out, even if it is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of fans nowadays also like to write out the entire show in their heads before yeah. it comes out. Mm-hmm. I hate to break it to you, but the show's already written. They are not going to change everything within the one week that you see the episode prior <laughs> and want to see this specific thing now happen. It's not going to happen like that. The writers have a specific vision and a specific story that all flows together. Overall, yeah, if you're binging it, if we were if we were binging this series as a fan base, I think a lot of more people would have liked it. Uh, but I think once it hit like episode four, a lot of people were just like, "Oh, this show's absolute crap," and <laughs> I'm never gonna watch the finale. The finale was the most streamed thing in all of streaming history. Was At it one point eight billion, uh, I think it was one point eight billion streaming streams oh my gosh which is i think i think the book of boba fett had like 1.4 and the season two of the mandalorian had like 1.1 or 1.2 overall people saying oh this is the worst thing ever i'm not gonna watch it go for it don't watch it but don't try and bring everyone else down with you because clearly there are a lot of people that still want to watch it a lot of the people who hate it are just clearly the most vocal ones and that's been the case in star wars for a long time and i think it's eking over into marvel now when we're seeing trailers and they're being criticized it's like not everything has to be absolutely criticized because sometimes it's not going to be exactly how you want it that's mm-hmm. just how yep. life goes that's how story writing goes no dawson everything must go exactly how i want it to every single thing exactly George Lucas got a lot of crap for this too. Uh, like people hated the prequels when they came out. Now they're mm-hmm. it's just whatever current content is coming out, people generally hate with Star Wars, which is I think hilarious. Uh, 
I Star Wars fans love to. I hate think you Star should Wars. like it mm-hmm. if it's good. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the sequels, but I can appreciate what you know they do right. Uh, I very much loved The Force Awakens when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. It's just I didn't really love how they followed it up with the story. Uh, but to just completely cross out all of the sequels entirely because you didn't like certain points of it, it's mm-hmm. a little bit like, you know, just put everything in the box because one little, or like, this part is smudged and let's just get rid of it all. Well, I think Kylo Ren's a good character and I think there are other good things that came along with that. So, like, yeah. and that's how Star Wars is in general. Like, you just got to appreciate what. They do that you like because yeah. there's gonna there's gonna be things you don't like and yeah. when they really hit and you like everything then man you're currently a kid because that's the only time in your life apparently you can like star wars is when you're yeah. 10 years old uh no but i seriously like if you can find enjoyment in things just for what they are not what you want them to be yeah. You're going to enjoy watching stuff, uh, both TVs and movie, a lot more. That's generally how I go into things. I don't have my own expectations for them, whether yeah. it comes to VFX, storyline, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I go in and I follow the story. If I like the story, if it does its job and it entertains me, if it follows the story uh, of the, you know, previously established character then that's yeah. a, you want to do that too and that's part of the reason why I think the sequels had a lot of backlash so I get that but I think they did a good job at continuing the character growth in Kenobi um because I think Kenobi is a very well written character in this uh you mm-hmm. see the trauma you see the PTSD you see all of the things he's struggling with he's not going to be Obi-Wan from episode 3. And he's not mm-hmm. going to be Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan from episode 4. He's an in-between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're seeing how he got there. We're seeing yeah. the most pivotal point of that 20-year stretch. We're not seeing him in his prime. We're seeing him dealing with the aftermath of his prime and figuring out a way to go from failed teacher to mentor again for Luke. Yeah. So I and feel I like think they do a fantastic job with Vader on the contrasting side of that and I loved oh, everything yeah. they did with Vader. So all right. Um I feel like after that beautiful beautiful tangent by Dawson pretty much explaining <laughs> everything I was going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> my my ex- pretty much exact words, but um I think what we should start out is with our because we both all said that we have some kind of criticism for the show, I think we should start out with that. Because there's going to be a lot of praising, a lot of celebrating, a lot of like fantastic, like this show is amazing, we love it, it's great. Mm-hmm. But I think we should start out because we all specifically said we had specific criticisms that kept us from doing a, from being a perfect ten out of ten. I think we should start with that, and then we'll go into everything that's amazing and fantastic and perfect about the show. Mm-hmm. So, um. For I'll, I think I'll take the reins here at first, and then we'll go down the line. Um, one issue I had with the show is it felt like 
And I under, I'll preface this with under, saying I understand the show was shot during a heavily restricted COVID times. I understand that. I understand there were restrictions. And whether or not you agree with the restrictions or agree with the pandemic or agree with the choices that studios took or studios take because of, the, because of coronavirus, it doesn't matter. The restrictions exist. They happened. And those were what the show had to deal with. So that's just it's it's a it's a moot point. So there's no point discussing or arguing or saying what we believe. It. So I understand that. But it felt like at some points the show relied too much on the volume. And the volume is an amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful, perfect piece of modern technology and quite incredible. But it feels like they were, relied too heavily on it that there were some places where it was like, this is just too much volume. I need to, I need this to be a real space. This, this, this set specifically in episode four. Could you when, explain uh, what you mean by volume? Oh, the volume the is set. this, it's this new set. It's basically the new, the evolution of green screen. Okay. Instead of it being a, like, you know how you look at the usual, if you look at some of the, uh, behind the scenes for episode three you'll look the the that obi-wan and anakin are fighting on this on this completely green screen arena of just there's nothing real in that stuff and so the the volume is allows you to build a pretty much practical floor and then some physical objects a lot of the space scenes the mandalorian and the book of boba fett and stuff like that those were shot with a set of you being having the existing cockpit of the razor crest or the slave one or any ship that you have in the Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. those that then you looking out and seeing space and seeing you fighting the ships, that's the volume. It's these okay. green, it's these screens that are made out of. Um, I forget the specific material that they're made of, but you can look, they can project stuff onto the screens, so you can see, make it look like there's a background. I'll send you some videos on it, Matthew, and then I, okay. feel, I, I highly encourage everybody to look up the volume because it's this it's incredible cool. piece of technology that is revolutionizing the way that we can make we can make movies these days, and it's quite incredible. And Star Wars and Marvel and Disney in general are using it to their complete advantage of creating these fantastical universes with the volume. So definitely if you don't know what it is, I I don't know if I can explain it well enough to to everyone, but definitely look into it. It's a fantastic piece of technology that is revolutionizing the film industry. And as a as a person who's heavily who's heavily invested in the film industry, it's quite it, I can tell you it's quite amazing and you should definitely look into it. So yeah, the Star Wars shows are using the volume. So I can show tell you a pinpoint of this in episode four, when uh, or episode three, I believe, when Obi Wan is running away from Darth Vader, you have the very real pieces of the set that they're interacting with. Obi Wan cuts a line that releases some smoke or some vapors that stops him and Obi Wan, and then there's that scene where Obi Wan is burned by Vader, lighting the fire and dipping Vader, dipping Obi Wan into the fire, mm-hmm. like a like a nacho into some delicious queso, uh, and <laughs> grilling and grilling him to uh, a medium rare, medium rare Obi Wan, and so that I can guarantee you, you see, you can see the space is very clearly defined in this specific square of there's the fire, Obi-Wan's on one side, Darth Vader and the Stormtroopers are on the other, and you can see it. I can guarantee you that was shot in the volume with hmm. with with the with the exterior and the looking and you can see the rest of the uh the canyon of the 
mining center that they're in, yeah. you can see like the walls and stuff that are. You can see that stuff, but that isn't a post effect that was made with the volume, so it looks like they're in that location. So it looks like it's kind of boxed in, and a lot of that felt like it was just um, very much contained. And you could definitely tell this, and also in episode one when the bounty hunters are kidnapping little Leia off Alderaan, you could that chasing yeah. seems quite ridiculous because they are reaching the edge of the volume. They're reaching the edge of the state of the studio that they're shooting in. And so they can't really run anywhere. So they can't really run fast. And I feel like that is a, something to the detriment of the of the, uh, of the, um, of the show. And I could see that a lot in episodes two, one, two, and three, Episodes four, five, and six managed to get away with it a lot more and do a lot more with what they have available to them. But um, they, that is my main gripe, is they feel like they're relying too much on the volume, and it feels like the show doesn't have enough room to breathe, and it doesn't have enough set room to breathe like it should. Mm -hmm. So essentially That's you're saying you gripe. felt like a lot of the scenes felt almost constricted in a way, like in terms yeah, of like constricted the, how the set to the was set. laid out? Yeah, and oh, even okay. shows that don't, like season two of The Mandalorian wasn't shot on the volume. And there was a few scenes in there that felt like maybe we just need to shoot at somewhere that isn't Southern California. <laughs> like, you could definitely tell that in episode two or episode, uh, is it episode two or episode three when they get to the, I think it's episode three. Yeah, it's, when it's they, episode uh, three because Vader's in it. Yeah, so episode three, when they're walking around the des deserted area, you can definitely tell this is Southern California. This is oh, yeah. uh, this is the outskirts of L.A. This is the outskirts of San Diego or the Badlands in between. Like you can definitely tell. Like maybe we, I understand the restrictions, but come on, guys, let's get some let's get some variety in the area that yeah. we're shooting in. Like I understand Utah. the restrictions, and that's one of the things I have to gripe. Yeah. Like let's get out. I understand trying to keep the budget to a minimum, but. Let's get outside of Southern California. Let's yeah. shoot in somewhere in the grand open spaces of this beautiful country that we live in. There's a yeah. lot of spaces that available. Maybe mm -hmm. some Utah in Michigan. And Utah and Arizona <laughs> are right there. Exactly. Yeah, you can Not some every crazy planet has there. to be a desert planet. Yeah. But, yeah, um, like, but that's that's my main so gripe. More, yeah. That's one of my main gripes. So, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's kind of funny because like that's this pretty much everything you said is stuff that I had like zero notice of like i didn't notice anything about like set or environment or things like that and i think part of that is just because that's probably stuff that you studied i would assume at school yeah. and stuff like that yeah i've studied a lot not, not studied more of like read up on yeah and watched a lot of stuff about the volume specifically so i know i can i can honestly can tell a lot of it when i see it mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of hard for me but uh matthew you said that you kind of didn't notice what I was talking about. So let's go on to what you were talking about when you said you have some issues with the show. Let's see what you, my from my filmmaker's perspective. Let's go from someone who's not so initiated oh, yeah. into the film <laughs> uh, yeah. arena. So let's go with what you what your gripes were. Indeed, yes. I'm perhaps the I feel of the three of us. I'm the least quote unquote educated in terms of movies. I feel like you know you obviously know a lot more about like what actually goes into making a movie, and I feel like Dawson is more way more enveloped into like the general lore. And just a more extensive knowledge of things that happen. Basically, my only knowledge of the Star Wars universe is what I've seen on what I've seen on screen, because I haven't read any comics or nothing like that, so I don't know a whole lot. But 
Oh, I've read plenty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but in terms of, I miss I miss your expanded universe over here. <laughs> you really are. Dude. You you've thrown things out there just in normal conversations we've had, and I'm like, what? In the, what? Like, I, I'm just floored by the amount of knowledge you two possess in terms of the extended universe. Just say, Andrew's always been like a Star Wars encyclopedia since I've known him. Yeah. Um, I think at one point in our childhood, Andrew came up to me and he was like. Ask me a question about Star Wars. I'll be able to answer it. Like, <laughs> no joke. Oh, you mean last week? <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, no, Matthew's got a point. That could have happened any time in the past, in the past <laughs> 10, 15 years. Because there was a solid point between the ages of like 8 and 13 or 14 where I didn't, in, I didn't indulge in any other uh, yeah. science fiction or fiction other than Star Wars. Like Star Wars <laughs> books, comics, toys, movies, shows. That was all but not too much. Let's not too focus on my uh, uh, sad, <laughs> uh, complete knowledge. Like if you have that meme where someone's trying to fit something extra in their brain, and there's a big, large block, that's yeah, leaving yeah, yeah. Star Wars in my brain. But let's go. Let's go back to you, Matthew. <laughs> yes, What's indeed. Your... Okay. So, um, in general, I don't like. I said I really don't have a whole lot to complain about with this series. I thought it was overall well written, and I enjoyed almost everything about it. Like I thought one thing that stood out in a positive way was. I don't know her name, but the actress that played Leia, I thought did an amazing job. Absolutely, I thought I thought she absolutely killed it on screen. Like she she really like stood apart even from some of the other characters. But um, one of the biggest things it's kind of like a two part, two part two two kind of separate issues, but they're almost kind of related in a way. Um, I'm not I'm, to interrupt you real quick. Yes, it was Vivian Liara Blair was her name. All right, shout, shout out to you, Vivian. You you did a great job. I'm sure you'll yeah. listen to Killing this. It. Absolutely loved it. Hundred yeah. percent. Back to what you were saying. Yes, indeed. So the so I'm kind of in the camp. I didn't um, remind me what was the Inquisitor's name. I keep forgetting her name. Uh, Reva. Thank you. Reva. Yeah. Reva. I did not hate Reva in general as a character. I thought I thought overall the actress did a pretty good did a good job portraying mm-hmm. the role that they gave her and gener- and generally speaking I thought she was a, a real solid villain but I felt she almost felt a little bit like out of place I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for but like yeah I, can see what I, you're saying. I was talking I was actually talking to my dad about this cuz he just finished it like a day or two ago and he and he kind of put it shout into out Pat shout out to Pat again. He's come up a lot on this podcast. You can tell I talk about a lot of things with him. But um, Pat is an honorary mem- Pat is an honorary honorary member of the podcast. Shout really out is. Pat. We should have him on some, have we should have on some time. We gotta have a oh, podcast yeah. where our dads are talking instead of us. That'd be oh hilarious. my god, that would be really Perfect. funny. Um, I'll have so, to spend a little while uh, telling my dad how Discord works. But love you, Dad. <laughs> but so he. So he put it into kind of like into perspective that I that I hadn't really thought of, but is like I 100% agreed with. And that is like in Star Wars, you kind of have like the characters all kind of have a certain like way of acting and a way they behave and a way they talk and stuff like that. And she was just like, not that, (laughs) I guess she was way more like you know, real brash and aggressive and things like that. And that was obviously written into her character very intentionally. But, like, it just didn't fit with, like, almost any other character that I can really think of. Like, just, in, I, I, I'm not doing the best job of explaining it, because I, when I was thinking about this, I had a hard time kind of putting it into words. But her character just didn't feel like it quite belonged in, like, the Star Wars universe. Like, even, like, amongst all the other Inquisitors that appeared, 
I thought she uh, stood apart. It almost did, and you could definitely tell that. And I mean, it was very clearly shown that the other Inquisitors didn't have a whole lot of respect for her. Um, but I thought she was overall just kind of not the best in terms of like fit. But like in terms of being a villain and stuff like that, I thought she did a good job. And then that kind of cuts comes into like she kind of comes into play in terms of the other issue I kind of had with it was I felt a lot. I felt the endings of the episode were a little um, a little lazy, I guess, because I felt a lot of the episodes kind of ended similarly. It was like Obi-Wan and, you know, the, the protagonist of the show being like, ah, we've escaped, we've done our job or whatever, and then it's, like, Reva finding some way to be like, haha, not yet, you're not. Like, we had yeah. the whole thing where, you know, they Leia escaped out of the tunnel and was left by herself for some reason, and then she appears and is like, ah, I can take you the rest of the way, and then immediately kidnaps her, obviously. Or you have the yeah. thing where they <laughs> escaped, and it's like, oh, you're, oh, your little robot's, your little robot's been hacked, and there's, like, the shot of the robot with the lights being red to show that, like, oh, it's been hacked, and now it's the tracking device, and it's just, like, it was just a little tired. Like, I wish they had found, like, a better way to close out some of the episodes that was not just Reva reminding them, reminding the viewer that she's still there and is still hot on their tail. Like, we all kind of know yeah. that. We didn't need every ending of the episode to imply such things. But, yeah, like, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was just kind of like when you got to the end of the episode, you almost knew in general how the episode was going to end. You were like, all right, somehow Reva's going to show everybody that she's still ready to catch them at any moment and like yeah, again that's yeah. part it's part of being a good villain is that you never felt like they got away from her but like in the way of how it played out on screen i just wasn't the biggest fan of it yeah, yeah. but that's really kind of all i can really say in terms of negative stuff though and <laughs> i feel kind of bad that they both revolve around kind of one character but um it was like i said it was i overall liked the show but like those are two things that i would have maybe done a little differently if I were in charge of things, which I'm very clearly not. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, all right. Yeah. I can see, I can see where you're coming from and I can see what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's bounce it over to you, Dustin. Let's see what you have to gripe about in our griping segment. <laughs> well, I guess I'll start with Reva. Um, I, again, I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of her, but I didn't absolutely hate her either. Uh, I had like moments, I had moments where I thought she was, really well written in other moments where I was just kind of a, a little bit disappointed. Um, I guess I'll start it off with saying I hate the Disney trope of making bad guys into good guys. Yeah. Uh, and that happens in just about every Disney property now um, within at least Star Wars and Marvel. I've seen it in other things here and there, but I really don't like it because, well, yeah, Redemption's cool, but it's just that whole storyline has been overdone at this point. And personally, I I think our motivations made sense. Mm -hmm. I think they wrote it very well because, again, they've been doing that for a while for characters uh, like Loki. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think overall a better ending for her character probably wouldn't have left her alive i think right. uh i think with obi-wan knowing that she knows about luke he would have either like eliminated her or gotten rid of her mm -hmm. or with her tremendous amount of guilt that she felt at the end of the last episode i very well could see her 
just stabbing herself instead of you know like letting Vader be the one to do it. She did it herself. I think another but, thing you another thing you brought up like while the show was going on, I believe you were the one that brought it up, was that given that she knew who Darth Vader was. That oh, would have been a yeah. huge implication for why she would have ended up dead at the end of the series, because Vader couldn't have someone knowing that walking around. Yeah, and Vader's not known for being able to, like, read people's thoughts like some of the other Sith, like mm -hmm. Reva, for example. Uh, but I feel like if he would have known at any point, he straight up just would have like killed her on the spot right only two people in canon have known who darth vader was and lived to tell the tale uh and that's thrawn and uh tarkin and both of them are very high up within the empire and and all that and they you know they've been able to talk directly to i think sidious at times so but vader is just notoriously just very angry at everyone and wants nothing to do with Anakin. So if they didn't have that moment in episode five where he just completely obliterates her and admits he was like essentially toying with her the whole time, mm -hmm. the show would have been knocked a little bit more down for me. It would have been like an eight uh, because I did think that was off, uh, you know, come around episode three and four when he let her go and uh, episode two when she claimed that uh she knew that he was anakin <clears throat> but i i think they finished it off in a good enough way that i felt like it was still very much with invader's character because he didn't he he didn't let her live yeah uh, she apparently everyone can survive a stab wound except for Qui-Gon Jinn. That was another kind of gripe <laughs> I had with it. I think she should have just died then. I don't think she should have had that whole sequence where she's chasing Luke. Again, I think a better ending for her is she just dies. Yeah. Uh, she's an Inquisitor. They are meant to be expendable. And I think if they would have written her more in regards to being just an expendable character, I think that would have been... A much better way uh to do that but i do like that you know they touched on like the order 66 stuff and her being very much traumatized like that just like we one was traumatized during order 66 and the fall of the, of the jedi and they're both dealing with their trauma in different ways she's just trying to get revenge and he's mm -hmm. trying to find hope again. And I liked the duality of that. I thought that was very well done. And that's why I kind of go back and forth with Reva. Because I think if you have like that duality, it really shows... Uh, if they would have leaned into that duality, it really would have showed like the more PTSD side of uh, what Obi-Wan was going through. Um, which I really liked when they did that. Um, but uh, I guess enough... Enough about Reva. Uh, the <laughs> other big gripe I had uh, was just more stylistic stuff um, than anything. Uh, I think the lightsabers in all of the new Disney Star Wars content don't look nearly as good as they did even in like episode 5 um, or episode 6. And the prequels kind of have their own... Their own 
Oh, sorry, I was burping, but um, they have their own visual style that pretty much matches the originals and just enhances it a little bit better. I very much can tell with a lot of the new Disney stuff that it is just like a prop lightsaber that they're, <clears throat> you know, smacking back and forth into each other. Uh, and, like, the biggest scene that really took me, you know, out of it for a second was when Obi-Wan is trying to go and res rescue Leia in episode four. Um, and he hits a stormtrooper like three times with the lightsaber and it doesn't cut off any of his limbs <laughs> like <laughs> it should have easily impaled him uh we see it in episode three yoda slices off one of the clone troopers arms i i think that's part of i guess this new era of star wars is they don't want to show as much violence which if it's for kids i get it but just don't <clears throat> don't break how a lightsaber works uh, I mean, let's not pretend like they, they Obi-Wan wasn't literally two... dragged through fire and someone's neck yeah. wasn't literally snapped on the spot. Yeah, like, exactly. There was plenty of violence still. Like, they I didn't could need tell... to cut that. I could tell that at moments they were like, we're going to lean into this really dark stuff. And then at other moments they were like, actually, that's a little too dark. We shouldn't <laughs> show that. Like, they had that warning in front of, uh, I think it was episode five when it actually shows Anakin going into the temple and, like, killing the younglings. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't show him actually killing the younglings. It just shows their faces going, oh, no, he's got a lightsaber. He's going to stab us. Oh, no. <laughs> and then their faces light up in blue. Um, so I've always kind of been on the, uh, the perspective of, I would love to see Anakin just massacre all of the Jedi in the temple uh, obviously it's a little different when it's like the younglings, but I would have loved to see just him with the 501st go into the temple and kill all of the, uh, just Padawans and, uh, all the Jedi Knights, and then they don't have to show the youngling stuff if they think that's, like, crossing a line, uh, because, you know, killing kids in TV is generally not a, something that people want to do, so I get that, uh, but I think if they were to show more of him in the temple doing what he actually did, it would have really, like, put the nail in the coffin of, oh, wow, Anakin, like, really, like, he completely turned uh, at that point. Mm -hmm. um, because in episode three, you don't see any of it. You just see his battle with Obi-Wan. You see a little bit on the holocron. Uh, there's not much. But, yeah, it's it's a stylistic thing just kind of what they show versus what they don't show i think a little bit does come down to uh the void and how they shoot on that uh the volume because, not the void oh, the vo volume i don't know why i was thinking the void the void the room's <laughs> dark right now it feels like a void uh <laughs> i can see i can see where you're coming from with the with the void talk i wish yeah. it was called the void that would be funny that would that'd be, be cool. pretty that'd be pretty intense. where'd you film it oh i filmed yeah. it in the void <laughs> And yeah, the void. That's probably something somewhere. <laughs> oh, but, <I'm> sure. uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel like it did kind of get limited just by what they were using. And, yeah, it was it was filming during a very difficult, difficult time to film because it was largely during 
oh, excuse me, uh, peak like COVID times. Uh, but I think they could have done a little bit better visualizing it in terms of just how the lightsabers look and feel and how they work. And uh, I loved the way the fights actually looked and felt. It's just the lightsabers themselves didn't like feel like lightsabers. They felt more like swords. Uh, and they should feel like, oh, if this touches someone, they're going to lose that limb. Like, it, it should feel like a very dangerous weapon, because it is. Uh, and the only other, I guess, gripe I had uh, was that I wish it would be... I wish they made it longer. It's a limited series, so, like, I don't know, fully commit to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make it an 8 to 10 episode type of thing. Uh, instead of finishing episode or finishing season one or the only limited series uh, series season supposedly, and then going maybe we'll do a season two if people really want it. Just give every, give the proper story <laughs> right the first time, and don't leave you know a couple things left because they very clearly did that with Qui Gon at the end. Uh, but just close the story give it enough time to do everything it needs to do don't give it filler just Mm -hmm. make it a really long movie essentially which i think at moments they did but at other times they were like oh we need to have them go from this location to this location just to diversify things a little bit no i i would have been okay if it were you know all on one planet even if it was tattooing but uh, I think, you know, here and there, they just had a couple moments where it was like, okay, this was just kind of filling space, and we only have six episodes to begin with, so let's just kind of get to what actually matters. And I think that's why a lot of people got mad with Reva's character, because people were like, oh, she doesn't matter, she's going to die anyway, or whatever. Uh, that's Everyone was like, she's irrelevant in terms of all of the rest of the movies and stuff, because she's a new character. But I think that's where a lot of the hate came from, too. Um, I just personally blame it more on, like, not having a complete vision for the in- entire series. I think if they would have had a more full vision, then each episode would have hit even more home for people. Um, but overall, I think it was still real solid. So, uh, those are my gripes and complaints. Oh, wait, and... There wasn't a lot of actual Star Wars music. That was a thing I noticed. Interesting. Uh, like, I did not notice, like, a lot of themes outside of what was originally in the original trilogy. Uh, like, the Imperial March and Leia's theme and, like, a soft Luke theme here and there. And another thing I wish kind of going more back to the more time to more episodes and all that i just wish they would have touched on luke a little bit more because obi-wan was you know sent to protect luke to begin with uh but we were watching like the one week of his life where he's watching leia so i I found (laughs) it ironic but yeah i I still liked it though yeah i I guess i can see your gripes um, so let's let's transition into our our praising period, our liking period, mm-hmm. and 
I'll I'll take the bad with this one because I have a I have a few things to say just regarding not the not to dis, discount your guys' feelings or criticisms or anything like that of the show, but I have a few things that I have to say about just <laughs> the, some things that were brought to mind with what you guys were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say it in 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 three parts of what I'm gonna say. My first part is my def- my Reva defense. I love Reva. I think Moses Ingram did a fantastic job with the character. I think the show showed was great with the character. I think she was completely necessary to the character. Completely necessary character for the show mm-hmm. to be in it. I think one thing that you what we can understand is Reva is is acting. The not just acting as in Moses Ingram is acting as Reva. Reva is acting as something she is not. She is not a killer. She is not a bad... She is not a Sith. She is not a dark sider. She is a child who was betrayed, who is lost, who is confused, who is scorned, who is angry, who is fearful. She was a very young child. She was like... In the flashbacks, we can say... She was probably, to match up with her age now, I would say she was probably maybe about 14, 13, 12, between some way in that pre-adolescent, pre-teen era of, of life where she was just beginning to understand the ways of the Force, just beginning to understand her position as a Jedi. And just as she is seeing her life as a Jedi come to fruition, she we see her training with a Jedi Master on the roof of the temple. We see her training to be a Jedi. She doesn't understand the abilities inside of her, what the Force means, what the specific Force is. And so after the fall of the Jedi in Order 66, we, she has nothing left. She has nothing. She was, taken, she was obviously taken as a, young, as a young child away from her parents. She doesn't know her family. And she was obviously found by the Empire and, and tortured and uh, turned into what she is now. And she, she, at some point, I feel like she didn't accept the dark side and the rule of Vader and the Emperor as the rest of the Inquisitor is. She realized that she could use the Force as a tool, as an advantage to her, um, as advantage for her to use as revenge for Vader. I re- as revenge against Vader to kill Vader to get revenge for her friends. And how and what happened to them, and how he murdered them, and I believe that Reva is an entirely necessary character because we see we have two main characters: we have Obi Wan and, and Darth Vader. We obviously see in Episode Three how Order sixty six affects them and how them Anakin very much obviously turned to the dark side, killed the Jedi, uh, became Sith, and we see him, uh. We we see what that what what that has cost him. It's cost him his limbs. It cost him his wife. It cost him his children. He's a broken, scorned husk of a man of what he was. And we see that same thing happen to Obi Wan. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost the entire world of everything that he ever knew. He lost it. And then we're seeing a third character of how that affects them. Someone who isn't actually a complete, full, evil, dark side, heartless monster of a character. Reva isn't that. She's acting out. She cuts off a lady's hand because she's angry. Because she doesn't know how to control herself. She doesn't know what she's doing. She does. She's acting. She's boosting up what she thinks she should be doing. She thinks she should be acting with the dark side. And so, 
at the end of the series, we see her finally comes to terms, accepting that she is not evil. She doesn't kill Luke. She doesn't take that. Mm-hmm. And she is still alive because she can... That is not the end of her journey. It, her journey will take her to wherever we want, whether it be a book, another show, a comic, whatever. She can, We can explore her in the future. But I don't... I, the reason I believe Darth Vader left her life is Darth Vader doesn't just kill... He kills people to kill them to, with a point. He doesn't just kill anybody for he no makes reason. Them suffer. He makes them suffer. <laughs> he makes a point. He he snapped the boy's neck in the village and he killed his father to make a point. He made a point to call out Obi Wan to call away. But he's already defeated Riva. He stabbed her in the chest. She he believes she's going to die. There's no reason to kill her. There's no reason Darth Vader has essentially killed her in a sense that it she doesn't matter. She's so incon- insignificant that it doesn't matter. I think Vader was allowing her to live, allowing her to um to be an inquisitor to be part of that that she because he he, he enjoyed seeing this foolish child think that he she he, she took had had a wool over the eyes of a Sith Lord. That she had thought that she was smarter and more clever than them, so that it's is my ego for Vader. Yeah, and so his him not killing her is um is just his entire point. He's like, you're not even worth my time. He doesn't even pull out his own lightsaber to kill her. He <laughs> takes hers. Like he doesn't even. She's not even worthy of his own lightsaber to fight her. Like that. He doesn't even use his lightsaber for. He doesn't even use a lightsaber for most of the fight because he's so much better than her. He's so much more skilled. He's so much more powerful. It doesn't matter if he stabs her, cuts her head off, cuts her arm off, cuts her leg off. Doesn't matter because he's better he than stabbed her. her because he that's how she <laughs> was stabbed in the first place too when yeah. they were in the temple and he did it intentionally exactly. because mm-hmm. he he's... loves making a point, like he said. Yeah, he stabbed her. Because she that was the way to end of the fight. If he didn't stab yeah. her, she would have kept coming after. And that was the point of, like, this is over. End of the fight. Done. <laughs> so done. I love Reva. I think she was a fantastic character. I think she was very necessary to the series. My second yeah. part, this one, this part won't be as long. Um, <laughs> a, a, quick, a quick defense of... <clears throat> I see a lot of people talking about Obi-Wan uh, lightsaber not cutting the Stormtrooper, not doing that. The Jedi... Are the Yoda says it in um in a, a I believe the Empire Strikes Back. He says a Jedi is the force for defense, never attack. That is the way of the Sith. That is the way of the dark side, using the force for attack. You see that in all force users, like the entire in all dark side force users. You see the very essence of uh, Sidious's whole method of attack is using the force to create lightning to attack, not defend, not uh. Not to to uh, protect himself and protect others. He is using the main reason for the attack to lightning to attack to use the force. You always see that in the force of Darkseid. And so, I believe that's the same that notion of the force ne- for defense only, never for attack. You see that in the same way of the lightsaber. The lightsaber only comes you see, it, in in perfect Star Wars media. A Jedi does not take out his lightsaber unless he has to. I could see people bringing up the ep- the episode four. Obi Wan cuts off a guy's arm in the cantina. That is to prove a point. That, that was is to defend necessary. Luke. 
It's to defend Luke and to stop that gangster. Because if Obi-Wan could have forced pushed him against the bar, threw him against the bar, but then that would have made a huge scene and that would have been unnecessary. The finesse of the lightsaber cutting off somebody's arm, that attack's over. It's done. You don't need to attack anymore. It's over. (laughs) So when Obi-Wan is not the type of guy to walk into his place and cut off a stormtrooper's head, I believe the entire scene of in Revenge of the Sith where Yoda tosses his lightsaber and then jumps onto a clone yanking out. I believe that's part of the movie because that's cool looking, but it's also Yoda's main defense, main reason of attack. You see that same, he uses that same attack against droids in um, in the Clone Wars. He does the same thing. He leaps onto droids, cuts them apart, and that's his whole thing because he's short and he can't, he doesn't have the reach like Obi-Wan is because you see Obi-Wan and he's just Yoda's slicing so he them. to kill people. Yeah, he's <laughs> slicing them. Uh, Obi-Wan is still killing clones, but he's, like, slicing them across the chest and, like, maybe slicing some limbs off and stuff like that because they have to get into the temple. They have It's an urgent thing. They have to do it. They have to sacrifice some of their essence of being a Jedi, of being having that finesse with lightsaber. So Obi-Wan does not need to cut somebody's heads off, cut somebody's head, a stormtrooper's head off. That is, again, that is not what the Jedi do. The Jedi only kill when it's absolutely necessary. So Obi-Wan... He's using the lightsaber for finesse. He's using it to inflict as minimal damage as possible while incapacitating the stormtroopers. Unfortunately, I believe if Obi-Wan could have, he wasn't really in tune with the Force at that point, so he, if he could have, he would have used the Force on them. And he would have done it that way. But he has to use the lightsaber. So he's using it more as a, as a finesse and a attack point of attacking the the using it as a finesse point and not chopping them to pieces like a Sith would, like Vader would, like like a very bludgeoning attack. It's very much like using it as only as necessary as it can be. I'm using I'm doing lightsaber motions with my hands. Yes, I can, I can, <laughs> very, I can, can very clearly say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Obi Wan is using not to harp all of your guys' complaints about the show, mm. but that's just something that <laughs> it wasn't just you guys. I've seen it a lot places people talking about, it, and that's always something that I've had I've had somewhat of an issue with of people talking about it. And Obi Wan is finessing with the lightsaber because the lightsaber is all about finesse, all about it's a it's a more elegant weapon for a more civilized age. It's Dawson the weapon of the Jedi. Dawson and I are sitting here the, like, here's what I don't like about the show, and Andrew's like, here's why you're wrong. <laughs> it's just it's not just you guys. I've seen a lot of complaints. About uh, well, Rita what do you think and... about uh, what do you think about what's her face slapping the stormtrooper in the helmet? Because I liked that. <laughs> uh, was it the Mira? Officer. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. She that's slapped good the... because oh, I forgot about because that. Yeah. I don't know about you if like because I have a replica like clone helmet and I put it on. Oh. If someone slapped me when I'm wearing that thing, oh my gosh, my nose would be yeah. broken. Oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna like, hurt. It's not it's gonna feel really hurt. gonna hurt. <laughs> like yeah, you'll hand, feel that. Like, one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I don't know if you've ever been five starred in the back or pun versus being punched in the back. Being five starred hurts way more. Like <laughs> <laughs> sometimes a slap is effective. Right. Yeah. It yeah, just but... looks funny. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my second part. My third part is I think the story, in, as a limited, I think much for Obi Wan. For um, oh, we've lost Dawson. I was say we lost Dawson. He just left. <laughs> we've lost Dawson. Well, we're gonna we're gonna carry on a little bit until yep. he comes back. Indeed. Um, 
one of the uh, one of the thing I want to say is that final thing is for uh, the story, the show is kind of left a little bit open, and it is left a little bit like uh, Obi Wan is Qui Gon appears, but there is more expand. I don't want to be that guy, but there is more expanded universe material if you're interested in seeing Obi Wan and Qui Gon interact. There are some short stories from the book, a certain point of view, where oh, Obi Wan sure. and Qui Gon interact. And they talk about his force goes in this, but I believe the show, as a limited series, was told in a perfect, in and it was told well throughout. And yes, there were some points where it's like getting from, like, oh yes, we have to get to point A. Yeah. Where at point A, we need to get to point B, and we have to do some way to do to do that. So that is my defense of Reva, defense of Obi Wan. <laughs> uh, my, I love this show. I think it's it's a great show. I cannot sing its praises enough about the final episode. Like, yeah, bringing have I? I was a little. One of my complaints would have been the underuse of Aiden Christian. Yes, there was that one flashback in episode, uh, episode four, five. There was that one flashback, and then I was like, well, they've barely used them. But then they used them so perfectly at the end of episode. Uh, they used them so perfectly. At the end of episode six, I think I thought it was so. They used them so well, and I literally, I was dying. I thought it was so <laughs> amazingly perfect. Yeah. Of how uh how they used them, but yeah, that is that is my defense of the show. That is my my love of the show. Those that is my complaint. Like I could talk about I could talk for hours. Yes. About how I'm much sure. I love the show, but I will I will pass it off to to you, Matthew. Yeah. Since. As, I mean, Dawson jumped back in and left again, so he's clearly having yeah. some problems. Dawson, we're having a little bit of technical trouble, but we're going to carry on. Bear with us yes. as, as, uh, we, as we have this issue. Sure, I'll roll I'll roll on from here. So, yeah, I mean, I could, like you kind of just said, I could go on forever about that last episode. It was so well executed in so many ways, and there was just so much I loved about it. That final fight scene between Obi-Wan and Vader was... I mean, one of the greatest fight scenes I've I've seen just in general, like certainly in a Star Wars movie, but like just in anything that I've watched, really, it was I was captivated the entire time I was watching that whole thing go down. It was so beautifully written. And then, of course, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the scene when he slices his helmet open a little bit, and you can see oh. he's talking to like kind of Anakin and Vader, but he and he finally says like Anakin's dead or it's what what was the line he said something like that i'll kill you or something it's like and, oh no he's like and i i you did not kill anakin skywalker i did that's right yeah yeah and that's like the moment when obi-wan's like okay yeah anakin is and as i knew him is actually gone and like to he's see truly did to see that moment play out was oh my gosh it, i got i got chills when i was watching it was so beautifully executed um I also have I I also I already h- touched on how much I liked um Leia's actress uh she how well she did. I love that Ewan McGregor and um Hayden Christensen came back. Dawson I believe touched on that uh earlier as well. Um I just love seeing those two come back. I know Christensen gets a little bit of flack online for his portrayal of the character of Anakin, but overall I yeah. I liked him. I thought he did a good job of portraying kind of like the two versions of Anakin that we see in the prequels in terms of his adult life. Like we see him in episode yeah. two where he's very immature and, you know, borders on whiny and stuff like that. And I could see that. But then you see him really develop into episode three 
and of and you're kind of like okay he's he's matured a lot and things like that and he's way more likable in general and i thought he did a great job so seeing him come back for this was awesome and again we didn't really get to see much of hayden christensen per se except for that final scene that i touched on but i he just to have them have the proper actors come back for this was everything i needed and more and i would be remiss if i did not mention this but when obi-wan goes up to luke and says hello there i lost my mind i was Uh, i was watching it with um uh my girlfriend lauren and when it happened we both just threw our arms in the air we're like yes Yes, he that said was the a, thing. He said it. That was that was a total fan service moment, and Absolutely. I was one hundred percent here for. Uh, one yeah. thing I forgot to mention when that yeah. you brought up Leia, I loved her character. I loved the actress. Everything she did with the character mm-hmm. was amazing. Was perfect from the start. There wasn't a single moment where I thought she wasn't good. I yep. loved her through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So perfect. I really hope we could see her again somewhere in some future project. I would I really love, love it for her to come yeah. back. Mm-hmm. She, she was did a great so job. good. If you ever hear this, um, if you ever hear this, I've already forgot her name. Vivian something or other, I think. Oh, yeah. If you ever hear this, Vivian, you're perfect. You're amazing. Don't let the haters in. You were great. I yep. love you. Absolutely. I love your character. Your portrayal of Leia was so perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to what you're saying. Back to yeah. what you're saying. So, um, and I, it was kind of funny, too, that the hello there came up because I don't remember when it was specifically, but there was a moment in one of the earlier episodes, I want to say like episode two, maybe, where I don't, and again, I'm I'm really struggling to remember the specifics, but I remember there was a scene where I'm like, oh, that would have been a perfect moment for him to throw a hello there in there. I don't remember yeah. if he like dropped in front of somebody or just appeared or whatever, and I'm like, Oh, a hello there would have been perfect. So then to have that end up coming around in that fight in the last episode was just amazing. I don't know oh, if you, yeah. I don't know if you know that. There's that meme. I think it started it, the scene is just a bunch of people in like a bar. I think they're watching a soccer match and then a goal oh, yeah. happens and they all just lose their minds throwing beer in the air and stuff like that. Yeah, there's the and big the, screen and yeah, people yeah, yeah. Just put whatever over it. Yeah, yeah. like they have like the DV, the DVD logo hitting the corner perfectly like in the office oh, or yeah. just other random stuff. But just they had, I saw that meme literally earlier today and they just showed him going up to Luke and going, hello there. And the whole place just blew up. <laughs> it was oh, just, yeah. I'm like, that's pretty much how... I would assume almost all Star Wars fans were when that moment happened because it's one of the most legendary lines from the prequels. So uh, the funny thing is, it's not even just a prequel thing. Right? It was Alec, it was Alec Guinness's first line as Obi Wan. His "Hello there" was originally <laughs> Alec Guinness. Like that was the whole thing. Yeah. Was and then uh, Ewan McGregor doing it was just him copying, uh-huh. which is which is hilarious how that happens. Yeah. How it's this one character, but yeah, but yeah, it was. It was a fantastic scene. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm forgetting, because overall there was so much about this show that I really, really loved. I liked really, like, Dawson, I think Dawson said that he liked pretty much everything to do with Vader, and I would 100% share that sentiment. I thought I thought Vader was outstanding in this. You see him in more of, like, his, when he's kind of first Vader, and he still has that, you know, Anakin, like, aggression that you mm-hmm. see. He's not quite the calm, cool, collected Vader we know from the, original trilogy yeah so it's just to see him on screen in that light was just outstanding and i thought they portrayed him extremely well so yeah that would be 
kind of the things that I liked about it. Dawson, are oh, you yeah. alive? I see you're back in here. Uh, uh, right in the nick stuff. of time. Yes. I've never been so mad at a computer in my life. What oh, happened? Gosh. <laughs> been trying to reconnect during all of what Matt was saying and then <laughs> a little bit of the end of Andrew's three-point spiel. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um... What, let's see what did we, so andrew defended you heard andrew defending reva i assume uh andrew yeah. what andrew you also defended I didn't the hear Scott, his the altar lightsaber. call i guess i should say <laughs> <laughs> you heard the whole message you just didn't i heard the catch three the... point sermon but not the altar call <laughs> yeah you didn't hear the home run the home run was basically i love i think that what they did with the 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 perfect amount of time to tell the story mm-hmm. and there are i feel like it is kind of open-ended but then those kind of get picked up with uh a, a new hope you see obi-wan come back and you f- see the end of his story but there are also uh expanded universe materials where you can see more of and uh qui-gon and obi-wan interacting like this store some short story there's a few short stories from a certain point of view where you see from qui-gon and Obi-Wan's perspectives and them interacting in the uh, in the story. So I don't want to be that guy of like, oh, you have to read books to find out. But th- <laughs> there are, they, they kind of left it open-ended a little bit. So mm-hmm. it is that way of like, uh, there it, th- it is that way of being, um, how they, they're like, oh, well, you can go read this other material. I don't want to like that guy but yeah yeah and um, then I, all i said was that i loved the, just the whole episode in general i like the final fight scene how incredibly executed that was i loved the oh yeah i loved, I did hear I, the I t- hello I, there stuff okay yeah i did say i did say that because that was one of my favorite moments of the whole series and then there was and then i, I also mentioned say, uh, i also mentioned the actress bit, of leia again and how good she did I, think I, I i picked up on something with the hello there uh that i was gonna touch on so i'm glad that you brought it up yeah um I think in regards to him saying hello there, uh, it doesn't come till the end, really, like that big moment, because everyone really only says that when he's super confident. Uh, like, for example, when he's coming up to Luke, you know, he, he's coming and he's saving the day. He's introducing, reintroducing himself to Luke for, uh, for the first time in who knows how long. Uh-huh. And he's like, hello there. And, yeah, uh, it's his first line. Yeah, it's his first line. You know, he's he's trying to both comfort Luke and assure him, you know, that, that he's like, you know, friendly. Not gonna uh, kill him. Being confident, you know, goes a long way with that. Um, at the end of uh, Kenobi, we see he's finally come out of like all that trauma. He realizes that Vader turning to the dark side isn't a hundred percent his fault. It's probably like. 35% his fault, but uh, <laughs> he he's more reassured, he gains a lot of his confidence back, and his faith in, like, the Jedi Order, and he's got hope again, and whatnot. Once that's restored, he brings back the line, and again, it's to Luke. Uh, One the might say he we... has a new hope. <laughs> yeah, a new hope. Haha. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, then, you know, the other time we see it in the prequels is he drops down. Super confident moment because he's surrounded by an entire army. <laughs> I mean, General Grievous even goes, you are a bold one. Like, he's saying, man, this dude's got some balls, basically. <laughs> he's, got, 
he's got, he's got a certain hook spa. That's, I love that's the right. I love the five second pause where you tried to think of another word. I was gonna say I couldn't think of a better way to put it. Um, but he's got some confidence, you know. He's he's jumping down yeah. and he's about to like. He's like, I know this guy wants me to go one on one with him. He's like, I'll take him on because. Uh, I think I'm better than him anyway, but, like, Obi-Wan just, like, absolute biggest point of confidence probably in his life. And then, you know, but we we don't see him say that at other moments when he's not so confident in, in himself. Uh, there is a beautiful like episode, passage. Like uh, episode well, two or... There is a or super the, cool passage in the Revenge of the Sith novelization talking about the whole hello there and his leading his whole thought process of what he's going to do and him leading up to him just being like, well, there's nothing else I can really do. And then just jumps down like that. The whole <laughs> process of him coming to that conclusion in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, which every Star Wars fan of Revenge of the Sith should read. It's an amazing, perfect book. <laughs> Either read it or buy the audible book written list read to you by, um, Jonathan Davis, who is an amazing narrator and narrates an amazing content for Star Wars books. If you ever want to get into Star Wars books and you don't want to read them, listen to the audiobooks. Jonathan Davis, um, Mark Thompson, and a few other narrators are truly some amazing narrators yeah. for books, and they will take you on a perfect adventure that feels so much like Star Wars. If you ever want to get into Star Wars, that's just my recommendation for Star Wars fans if you want to expand your it's expanding the books, but don't want to read them. Listen to the audiobooks. Yeah. There's a full production. That's my Audible, please sponsor us. I will literally sell my... I will do it for free. I'm doing it for <laughs> free right now. I will sell Just, my for free. I will sell my soul for you. <laughs> I don't want to sell... I didn't want to say I want to sell my soul to Amazon. But Audible, please. I, I beg of you. I'm in, I'm in love with your service. Give us a reason to talk about you. Uh, oh, we, Pay are, me. we are on Audible, so... Going back to uh, what I loved about the show, um, I really loved any scene where Vader was involved. Mm -hmm. I loved the fact that oh, Hayden Christensen was so in the good. suit. Yep. Uh, because that adds some authenticity into it. It makes you feel like Anakin is Vader. I think after Kenobi, without a doubt in people's minds, people are like, oh yeah, Anakin and Vader are the same person. A lot of people, you know, have probably had that, like, disconnect, like, oh, well, Anakin and Vader are very, two very separate entities. Vader is a very established Sith Lord. He's left all the, all of Anakin behind, because all we see is, like, him in the original trilogy at first. But now mm -hmm. we're seeing him kind of, like, before he he got there, while he's still trying to figure out his, his footing uh, as, you know, a, a man who's missing everything that was in his life before he's, he's missing limbs he's missing his family uh his former you know brother and master uh in obi-wan and uh he's very much a broken man and you can see kind of more of that bridge to how he got there because of this show and also how he's still got a lot of anakin in him and i've heard mm -hmm. i've heard complaints oh well, Vader's just Anakin. Uh, you know, I can I can hear his whining. Like he he feels like Anakin from the prequels. I'm like, well, he is Anakin from the prequels, just ten years later. <laughs> like he's still and very much fire. the same. He's still very much the same person. 
mm-hmm. it's just he's it's filled with a lot more rage now, and it's all it's all because of the suffering he's been through and continues to go through because he like endures through it with his his suit is like intended to torture him, and it was because of Sidious that it was like that because he was essentially punishing him for failing on Mustafar, uh, but. Vader had the option also to upgrade his suit, and he's like, no, I want to suffer. I deserve to suffer. I hate myself. And, uh, like, ultimately, Vader's power does not come from hating everyone else. It comes from hating himself and loathing himself. Like, that is where all of the hate and the rage come from with Vader. He hates what he did, who he's become, and where he's at. But he's alone, and essentially his only friend in the universe is... Darth Sidious, who's used him all this time in his life, he was, like, his, I guess, father figure has essentially betrayed him and turned him into this, and he knows it's essentially all, not Sidious's fault, but his own fault, and he's very much dealing with that, and, like, he's essentially lost everyone he loves until Luke comes back, and that's, that's why the original trilogy, you know, just... Uh, we see a very different version of Vader who kind of actually takes it easy. <laughs> uh, he's not trying to kill Luke. Uh, he only cuts off his hand because he was frustrated. <laughs> um, yeah. And, to end the fight, as I was saying. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And <laughs> so you kind of see that essentially up until he figures out that Luke is, you know, his son uh, and... Up until he finally gets that closure of like getting rid of Obi Wan forever, he's very much a rage-filled, broken man who doesn't still doesn't know how to handle his emotions, just like Anakin did. Except he just pours it into rage rather than uh, trying to bury down his anger and his rage like the Jedi made him uh, do because of their their doctrine and ideologies. Uh, and I love that they're really like delving into that and that we see a very dark version of his character because he's a very dark man who's been hurt and wants to hurt others because of it. Uh, he wants to make other people suffer just like he did, which is why I think episode in episode three, you know, as he's dragging Obi-Wan through the fire, which I will say is very symbolic of also episode three of star wars itself each episode in the series kind of mirrored its uh its actual number episode which was cool uh but you see like as he's dragging obi-wan through the fire that he just wants him to suffer the same way he did and that's also another like because he's so unsettled and un like taken aback by obi-wan uh and he can't even like focus himself like he he's able to do with Riva and every other Jedi he comes across he's able to just absolutely like hone them for for the most part. Uh, when it comes to Obi Wan, he's so taken aback because <clears throat> you know this man essentially like was the last piece in the puzzle of him losing everything. Uh, he was the last. Thing he saw before he was put into a suit that caused him to essentially suffer for the rest of his life and when he wakes up in the suit he finds out his wife is dead his kids are quote unquote dead uh 
the Jedi are all gone because he killed them. So, like, Obi-Wan was the final piece in him becoming Vader, and he's also the final barrier that Vader needs to get out of the way in order to start his process to coming back to the light side, which I think is cool, and I think it's a really cool story, like, really cool small storyline within Star Wars, because it's once obi-wan's gone it lets luke essentially become vader's focus and then vader you you know vader and luke is a small storyline in star wars no 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 the obi-wan and vader storyline where like essentially uh essentially vader attached all of his suffering to obi-wan Okay. And during the time of Obi-Wan's remaining life, like that was where all of uh Vader's focus and time and energy went and then as soon as that was out of the way, Luke is now Vader's focus and it allowed him to be like to kind of come to the realization of who he's become and and remember that he had a past before Obi-Wan before all this hate and suffering that he was constantly reminded of because he couldn't get rid of this one thing in his way. (laughs) And then Luke brought back that hope, a new hope, even for Vader. (laughs) Uh, But he brought that hope back for Vader that, oh, I didn't destroy absolutely everything. Uh, There is a little bit of Padme left because my kid is somehow alive after all of this. And he probably further blames Obi-Wan because he was hiding him all these years. But, uh, no, I just, I love that whole idea, and I love that this series touched on it. I love it that it touched on the duality of Vader and and Obi-Wan and the two different directions they went. Uh, Everything with them together was gold because they've got so much chemistry, like, with just how close they are as friends. And you can see it in the show. Mm-hmm. And I think I think after this, people have to give, like, Aiden Christensen, like, a round of applause because he acted oh, yeah. his butt off in this. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he is easily the second best part of this show. Uh, only behind you and McGregor returning as Obi-Wan. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a very small you know, distance between first and second place. And it's just, yeah. he, he did a fantastic job and it helps you kind of connect just the prequel version of Anakin and the original tri- trilogy version of Anakin, which is Vader. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, him having his helmet cut open was just oh, like the final, yeah. final piece. So and just like really like, because Vader's hidden this whole time. Like, you can't see Anakin's face. You just see this menacing mask, this beast of a man who intimidates even people on set when they see the suit. Uh, But, like, you break open the mask and you see the man behind the mask and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, that is Anakin. Like, we're seeing... Because we've seen it in, you know, like, Star Wars Rebels before, but, like, seeing it in this, you're seeing the face of Anakin Skywalker from episode two and three, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, he's really under there, and he's smiling while he's, you know, in the middle of a fight, like, yeah, it's super creepy, 
and it's super awesome at the same time because it shows how far off the deep end he's he's gone and mm-hmm. every line they gave Vader in this had weight to it and it had yeah. meaning to it like Vader is very much someone who doesn't like to talk a lot in <laughs> oh, anything yeah. he's in he's just he's a man of few words but he gets to the point again Vader yeah. loves to make a point and he loves to be quick and to the point and everything he says it is for a very specific reason everything he does is for a very specific reason because he you know he's done living on other people's agenda he's like i'm doing this my way i don't care if you get in my way i will kill you if you're in my way like it's that's i think they did vader fantastically i think they did obi-wan fantastically uh and i think again leia perfect casting there uh i i don't know if they'll ever have a star wars project where she returns but i'd happily see i would happily welcome her back into the star wars universe oh, yeah if she was perfect know, if any projects are allowed for it uh that being said i don't know if i want a kid leia tv show oh <laughs> like, no 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 i but like if, if she, she, yeah, she shows up in anything else that. if she shows up in any anything else i'll be like wow Okay, yeah, I'm I'm down for it, but she yeah. did. If there's anything for Kid Leia ever. Job. If there's any for anything for Kid Leia ever in the future, make sure she's cast. I don't care how old she is, she's Leia. Yeah, no. congratulations, <laughs> yeah, kid. I think they wrote Leia perfectly in this because, yeah, like she's very in your face and annoying, but that's how kids are, and that's oh, yeah. how Leia's personality is when she's an adult. Yep. I was gonna say and, she didn't, she didn't really change much into becoming an adult. I must say her pers- her personality was still kind yeah. of the same. And I love the subtlety that she uses the force to actually like understand why pe- people's motivations. I think that's a fantastic way yeah. to kind of write that in. And I never really thought of it that way until like this show. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And now yeah. people can't be like, Leia never used the force. Well, she's a Skywalker. She's always been using the force, just not in the uh, typical yeah. way that Luke was doing when he's lifting rocks, you know. <laughs> Just like we see in the show, Leia, uh, Reva uses the Force to pull a memory out of uh, Hodge's mind, the same way we see Kylo Ren do in The Force Awakens. Yeah. So not every Force power is literally lifting giant boulders and smashing them or yeah. j- jumping really high. Like sometimes the Force acts in very subtle ways. Mm-hmm. You don't and, always use it specifically, like Luke using the every... Force. Not to, every character has every ability too, which I think is another cool yeah, thing that comes right. along with Star Wars. Yeah. Like, Darth, I love seeing Darth diversity Maul, in the Force. Yeah, Darth Maul is able to do that same mind thing, but yeah. you know he's not. It able seems more of like a dark side force power. electricity. You know, yeah, it's more of a dark yeah. side power. And then, like the Jedi mind trick is like the opposite of that. It's it's more of a persuasion thing. Like, you want yeah. to do this, you will do this. And then the Sith version of it is, you're going to give me this information whether you like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's tearing into someone's it out of most, your head. Yeah, it's tearing into it's someone's aggressive. most private, private yeah, thoughts it, and private part of their, their it's psyche. The it's the aggressive, like, I guess, version of what the Jedi do with the mind trick. They're like, all right, exactly. let's avoid conflict, so let's just tell these people to go a different way. Uh, yeah. And the Sith are just like, I want to know this. And you're gonna give it to me. I'm gonna torture you if you don't give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> like even seeing in some of the most recent expanded universes stuff from the High Republic, 
where that trick is just now being like it was recently developed not recently developed but it's not like widespread thing used like the rest of the jedi do in the in the clone wars and everything and a lot of the jedi in the high republic feel bad about using it because they feel bad about touching someone else's mind in that way but yeah it's very it's very interesting parallel not every jedi could force heal either and I think they need yeah. to expand on that and touch on that because I think, you know, them they not explaining explain that would, you know, it really gets in the way of, like, Anakin, like, oh, yeah, he, he could have, you know, just used Force healing on uh, <laughs> on Padme. I, I I don't think it's a necessary addition to the Star Wars yeah. universe either, Force healing <laughs> and whatnot. I think I mean, it there works is for, a... for Grogu and yeah. his character. Yeah. Uh, because he's a very like small individual and a, a very light side individual as well because of like yeah. Yoda's whole species and it makes sense that like yeah a Jedi might be able to use the force to like heal someone if need be but it, it makes sense that it would completely drain them too yeah. but like I think yeah. they need to explain that better and the fact that Anakin might not have had that or that the Jedi weren't like fully aware of that maybe in the Yeah. In the prequels. Yeah, not to it gets in the way of the story. Yeah, not to get too much on a tangent, but force healing in the past in Star Wars has usually been more of like how superheroes have like accelerated healing. Yeah. So like their body and metabolism works better, so if they get cut, they heal faster. That's more of how uh Force healing has acted upon in the past is is uh, expediting the the force the body's already natural healing process into a faster and more uh, uh, beefed up version. But um, yeah. I feel like I feel, like, I feel as like, like as we're <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like Anakin wouldn't even have that either because oh, of yeah. how aggressive he is too. Oh like... yeah, he's he's all about attack. <laughs> Yeah, he he lost an arm, like he he's got scars on his face, like, and his fighting style is very is the most aggressive form of lightsaber combat, and like it's just yeah. very clear that he's definitely more like the aggressor, not the, you know, the more passive yeah. person who's gonna, he like he he claims he's like I wish I could stop people from dying, but in his mind it's probably like I wish that I could stop people from dying in the sense that like i'm just going to force them to stop <laughs> yeah. i wish no i could kill intended. people faster yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah he's like well if it came down to it like i'd just go back in time and kill the person rather than uh let them get stabbed or whatever uh <laughs> then let them I would kill the person who stabbed this person rather than trying to heal, you know, like it, him is with Anakin. It's always the more aggressive route for the most part. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's probably, probably why he never thought that forest healing was an option too, is my yeah. guess. <laughs> uh, before we go to, we go super long and uh, get to like, like I said earlier, we could talk about star Wars for hours. There's yeah. so much we love <laughs> yeah. about it, but I feel like, I, I feel like we should start. We'll start winding down and bring this episode to a close. I think we should we should finish out with each of us going each of us going through down the line and picking out one specific thing that we love about the show. Maybe maybe not something super obvious. Maybe something niche that we loved a lot about the show. And I think oh, we'll I reverse say, this process. Okay. I was uh, gonna what? say because we've talked about what we like and what we don't like a lot. I was gonna say what if we uh, just ranked 
you know, like all six episodes, just gave our quick ranking of them. Okay. I yeah, could that's not the, that's possibly do that. <laughs> really? I do all not. Right, you can I, go last. There, no, no, no. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to recall the specifics of each episode well enough to possibly rank them. All right. Well, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's let's just let's just go with the one specific thing. And, and Dawson, if you want to give your quick ranking, we can do that if you want. But um, let's go with the one. Let's go with the uh, one quick thing. Let's go with start with you, Dawson. You rattle off your thing, and then we'll go Matthew, and then we'll we'll go with me. So okay. you you start us off, Dawson. Like just my favorite total thing from the show, or like one... yeah, just one specific thing that you loved about the show, whether Maybe it be an actor's performance. Oh, okay, there like you go. Just the fact that he's back because they didn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that and too. That that paired with the voice modulator of James Earl Jones, and that being like a combination of Hayden Christensen talking and yeah. James Earl Jones talking, I mm-hmm. think that that is the epitome of Darth Vader because you're getting both Anakin Skywalker and like the voice of Darth Vader in one iteration of the character, and I think it's it's perfection. So yeah, right. All right, Matthew, how about you? I'm going to kind of piggyback off that because that when I was as I watched the show, the one thing that really stood out to me was that final sequence with you had the you had the fight between them, which ended in, you know, the part with his helmet split open and you hear both voices at the same time. And when you hear Mm -hmm. all with that whole that whole that whole part, like just I could not believe what I was watching it. Like I was so fixated on it because it was just like absolutely incredible cinematography and everything. Um, and then, you know, paired with that as well in the final sequence, we also had, you know, the appearance of Qui-Gon and then of course the hello there at the end, which I have to give another shout out to, cause I just loved that moment. So I would, uh, to me, just that entire final sequence is absolutely the one thing that stood out from this show. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'm going to go with, uh, art department, artwork and costuming on this show. I felt it felt totally Star Wars, totally 100%. All the Imperial stuff was great. The set decorating for the bridge of the Executor uh, in the last cu- in the last couple episodes, those were that was fantastic. Darth Vader's suit yeah. was perfect. It was the perfect version of his suit that was so much like a split between Episode Three and Episode Four. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Vader, Vader is my ultimate favorite character of all Star Wars. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. But um, that suit was favorite. Uh, Obi-Wan's outfit, him going from his ragtag uh, undercover outfit from episode uh, 2 to 3, or, uh, 2 to 3, and then episode 4, he's got his uh, gray Jedi robes, and then epi- and then the final episode with his, uh, um, with his white robes, now that he's all back on track and everything, that was f- fantastic. I love that. And then uh, my last thing would be uh, Joel Edgerton's uh, Uncle Owen performance, fan freaking tactic. Oh yeah, for a character oh, yeah. that was not in the show very much. Perfect casting. He was so good, <laughs> so awesome. His whole like stick of like loving Luke and protecting Luke, but also being that same uh, surly curmudgeon guy that we see in, in uh, see in Episode Four. Just that perfect, perfect performance. Yeah. Just, just love it so much. And it so, makes you respect Owen as a character a lot more. Oh yeah. Than, than when you see him in Episode Four, you're like, man, this guy sucks. But now <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's just looking out for yeah. his son. I saw a post recently that was that was this this picture of Owen and 
Owen and Baru's corpses in episode four. And someone was like, you cannot tell me that there is not a bo- a pile of stormtrooper bodies a- inside the home because oh, absolutely. Owen and Baru were totally packing and totally defended themselves when the stormtroopers came. You cannot tell me. I, that is 100% my headcanon now that they were mm-hmm. packing and they defended themselves and they defended Luke <laughs> just like they did. So as we bring ourselves to a close, Dawson, if you want to rattle off your quick ranking of the episodes... And then we'll close out. Uh, yeah, my episode ranking would go, obviously, episode six, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, episode five. Number mm-hmm. three, episode three. Uh, oh. Number four, episode two. And then number five, episode one. And then number six, episode four. Nice. Nice. Very yeah. much. Very cool. So, uh, thank that meant you literally all nothing to a... me just because I have no idea what was in each one. <laughs> <laughs> just like, all right, yeah, cool, I, nice. I, I will I, clarify I why I have episode four as the last one is because it felt like a filler when I watched it. Which one was uh, that? But it made more sense once it connected to episode five. It was the one where he infiltrates to go get Leia. Okay, um, gotcha. Because yeah. you kind of just so you start, you end episode three. You know, with them together, then he's got to go get her back, and then you episode end episode four with them together again. Like he accomplishes it all. It's like a bubble episode. Like it's just the he ends up exactly where he already was. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it felt like an unnecessary step, but it was necessary to the story. Uh, it's yeah. just it in the moment it didn't feel completely necessary, and I felt like uh, I did like seeing him infiltrate the whole base, though. But yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for being with us for our review of Obi-Wan Kenobi. This was uh, a fantastic show that we're obviously all very passionate about with passionate about. And uh, we really will probably do something more like this with, uh, we plan on doing something similar to this with the net with a Thor, with uh, Thor love and thunder coming out very soon. We want to just deep, just a deep dive into a very specific piece of media that doesn't yeah, hamper we'll the specific episode or mezzo. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for bearing with us. And I hope you enjoyed our conversations about the show. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program next week with uh, Dawson hosting. Mm-hmm. So as Andrew uh, said, we'll, as Andrew said, we'll probably throw these in whenever there's a large uh, release in terms of Star Wars yeah. or Marvel, since that's our mutual interest. But it won't be just that if there's another piece of media that comes out that all three yeah. of us are particularly yeah, interested in for some about. reason. Yeah, 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 right. Something that we feel like we actually might be able to contribute a good conversation about. <laughs> then we will probably uh, do the same thing for those as well. Yeah. yeah. So thank you very much with us, and we'll see you guys next time. Later, uh, y'all. See you later. Yeah, see Bye. ya.